This is Hemet. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Uh, please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast and give us rates and reviews and whatever it is you do mm-hmm. online. Hi. Hi. I How? have so many things. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm fine. Jesus, I'm done with don't banter. let me. Oh my God. <laughs> Go then, Jesus. Um, I was going to say how it's sunny out. It's 35 degrees, nah, which is... Nah, okay, nah, fuck it. It's Go. still cold. I Go. was outside. All right. Okay. Uh, there are... Okay, here's the list of all the stories I have. It's like so many Yeah, you went state, to double columns dude, today. I know. State legislators doing some good, mostly horrible uh-huh. things. So here's one of the good ones. I'll start out with one of the good ones. Uh, in California... There is a move from State Senator Jerry Hill who wants to change the law so that Catholic priests, if they learn that a child is being abused, Uh they have to report it to local uh, law enforcement. Oh, yeah. this They've been trying to do this in various countries, not just like states either. Um, yeah, because there's a whole thing. Was it Cardinal Pell who said that he would rather go to jail than, than report on a abuse happening to a child or... or I think that's right. um, Yeah, the seal of confession. Right, exactly. Basically, what's been happening, and certainly this was the case in Australia where they had this royal commission Mm -hmm. and they investigated all this stuff, they found that a bunch of people, like priests, other priests, would go into the confession booth and say, yeah, I molested this kid because they wanted penance (sighs) or something, and they would be told, like, all right, say your Hail Marys, and all right, you're forgiven now. And then they would go out and molest more kids, yeah, and no one would ever know about it. The most egregious case in Australia, there was a priest who, this is the story, he, com- he confessed to 1,500 instances what? of molestation. That's not a typo or anything. 1,500 cases to 30 different priests over the course of 25 years. He would confess that he did this. And not one of those priests said anything because it was something said to them in the confessional booth because there is a sacred bond. You don't say what happens in the confessional booth. And here's the thing. I was a public school teacher. Public uh-huh. school teachers in the U.S., no, you have to report that stuff. If you see a kid who's cutting himself or herself, uh-huh. you tell the social worker, you tell the counselor. Like, there's rules about what you do. Yeah. If a kid tells you, I'm getting beaten by my parents, uh-huh. you have to legally report that. You can't keep it a secret because the kid entrusted you with the information. Yeah, when I was in uh, when I was in high school, we did a thing called Snowball. Did you have Snowball going on? Yeah, yeah, we did it at was, our high school. Yeah, yeah, it was like the drug and alcohol free thing and it was a very like the the sort of uh trust circle was very tight but it was the established rules were always if you're hurting yourself if you're hurting somebody else or if somebody else is hurting you we have to tell somebody and i think that's across the board that's true of therapists i know my therapist had to say that yeah like right if you're a therapist you have to do the same thing and in this case there is an exception for like religion if someone confesses to you in a religious mm-hmm. context, like you don't have to do it. And Just what this bill would why, do, though, uh... <laughs> what this bill would do is say the law applies equally to all professionals who have been designated as mandated reporters of these crimes with no exceptions, period. Cool. That's what the law would do. Like, that's a good thing. But, like, here's the analogy that one priest made in a Catholic publication. I'm hate this yeah, so you much. are going to hate this. <laughs> um, here's what he said to. Uh, oppose the idea. I don't know if he was opposing California law specifically, but when someone said 
should priests be obligated to tell secular law enforcement about this? He said, uh, this is Father John Landry writing for the National Catholic Register. He said, like the ancient Roman emperors used to try to break young Christian virgins by threatening to expose them to brothels if they didn't capitulate to their whims, so still today some leaders and governments try to break priests' fidelity by forcing them to violate the confessional seal. So it's kind of like forcing a child to go to a brothel when they want to be... Ver- I, this made sense to this guy. Except I, in this case, in California, kids are being protected, not raped. So leave it to a Catholic guy to just go to so a rape said, analogy. So oh, I'm not even going to try to parse through it. I have a headache already. Now, here's the maybe good news. It's California. It's a democratically run uh-huh. government on all levels there, like, mm-hmm. this shouldn't be opposed, I would think. So you hope this passes, yeah. and you hope that, again, what's the opposition? Like, the opposition really to this don't... is if we learn kids are, like, being abused or we learn someone's confessing to abusing a child, their argument is, well, my religion says I have to keep it a secret. Yeah, what, what the the opposition would be is simply my promise to God is more important than this child's actual physical mm-hmm. safety. And I don't know how... And if we tell people what happened, they might not confess anymore. Oh my God, no one cares about your religious traditions. Kids right. are getting raped. Like, because I feel beaten. like that's what I always hear of. Like, oh my... Well, if they there isn't... If, if it's not confidential, they're not going to confess. Like, fine. Fucking, maybe you shouldn't be talking too much about that. Like, <laughs> maybe, maybe you should have to pen that up in your brain and not have an outlet for it until you find yourself having to tell somebody who's obligated to tell the authorities. Like, and again, when, when it's the Catholic Church where they have such a long history of not doing anything to take care of kids in their care, right? this is just another example of them saying, no, my religious like vows matter more than the safety of children. Yeah. And this is the same weekend that they're having a meeting in the Vatican about addressing sexual abuse. And here you have Catholics saying, eh, if I find out a kid's getting molested or something, I got to keep it a secret because, you know, God will get upset with me. Right. And I'd never kind of thought about this angle of it, that like allowing somebody to confess may probably alleviates a lot of guilt if they're a true believer. So they are less likely to tell somebody who can do something or turn them or like seek help in any meaningful way. Right. So, Cause like, I confessed pro- it. So yeah, I'm pro- good now. Providing these people with an outlet is not helping anything. Yeah. So I hope that passes. There's another bill. This one is in uh, Washington state, which is another, this is a democratic uh, dominated state in mm-hmm. the legislature right now. And so here's the law as it stands. It says that if, your kid is sick and you don't take the kid to a doctor and your kid dies, we're going to hold the parents accountable for it. That makes sense, right? Super makes sense. Except in Idaho and Washington and a handful of other states, there is an exception to that rule that says, yeah, if it says if you didn't take care of your kids, you didn't take them to a doctor because your religion said you don't have to because God will take care of everything. So just pray over your kid if they're dying of a curable disease. And then your kid dies, we're not going to throw the book at you. You did the best you knew (laughs) how to do. You tried. So now, and again, in Idaho and Washington specifically, Mm -hmm. a lot of kids have died at the hands of Christian science 
parents mm-hmm. who believe prayer is enough to take care of these. Or they'll makeshift um, some sort of remedy uh, that has no basis in science or medicine or right. anything. Right. So basically, here's what their law would do, these uh, laws in Washington. And by the way, there's a, there's a Senate bill. This is sponsored by three Democrats. There's a same House bill sponsored bipartisan, okay. uh, like a number of uh, state reps. And what it would do is remove the exemption for Christian scientists when it comes to, quote, criminal mistreatment of children and vulnerable adults. And here's what would happen. All that would happen is in the in, the law says it is the intent of the legislature that a person who in good faith is furnished Christian science treatment by a duly accredited Christian science practitioner in lieu of medical care, we don't consider them deprived of medically necessary health care or abandoned. They would remove that clause from the law, saying that, okay, if a Christian science person healed you or tried to heal you, Uh we say you did get medical treatment, so the law doesn't apply to you, to the parents, if your kid dies. And these legislators say, we're going to take that part out of the law so that this thing that allows Christian science practitioners to get away with killing kids, Uh it doesn't apply anymore. That's what they want to get rid of. How did Christian science get so much political sway? Like... I they're not a huge it's not a facet. Huge, no, it's it's more I think just the idea that these this is my religion and you have to respect yeah, it. Yeah, and and that kind of thing the like not going to doctors is really foundational to Christian science science. Right. They don't it's like Scientology. We don't trust psychology, we don't trust medicine right. or pharmaceuticals. But still, but like, that in this feels case, like a really relatively minor religion to get such an exemption. Yeah, but they've gotten it and yeah. kids have died for years. Uh-huh. There's like cemeteries where you just see kid after kid Jesus. and it's all of these people, like all often from the same handful of churches in Idaho at least, like they're all from a couple of churches and they all believe the same thing. And what what I don't get is you're in the church you see that these kids are dying right. and your thought is not, maybe I should leave this church. Uh-huh. Like, no, they just kept their lemmings and they're just going off the cliff or something. So again, uh, in Washington state, uh, ironically, uh, I don't know, uh, not ironically, there were, there are three non theistic legislators that I know of in Washington state. Uh-huh. Like they've made comments to that effect. They are not co-sponsors of this bill yet, oh, interesting. which was weird to me, but I don't have any reason to think it'll be opposed in any meaningful way at this point. Because again, what are you opposing? You're opposing kids like living. That's what you're trying to get in the way of. Like, no, I don't want these kids to live. And if their parents want to pray for them and the kids die, so be it. Who's going to oppose this idea of saying, no, the parents will be punished if they don't take care of their children, especially when it comes to diseases that we know how to fix. Mm -hmm. There's no reason a kid should be dying of this stuff Mm -hmm. because we have the medicine for it. We know it works. And yet these parents are getting away with it. So, (sighs) again, I hope it passes. We'll see. Oh, those are my good bills. Everything else is just crap from here on out. Cool. Um, do okay before we get into the bad stuff. Yes. Then. Yes. Let me go through. So, um, literally, like as I was putting my notes together, a story came up that there's a billboard in Colorado. Um, it's on uh, I-70, so from Utah to Colorado. If you're driving along that highway. 
you will see a billboard that says, Welcome to Colorado, where you can get a safe, legal abortion. Oh. Which is super cool. So if you've ever, I mean, I can speak for the Midwest and the sort of Northwest region um, in regard to pro-life billboards, to pro-God and pro-Jesus billboards, pro-gun billboards. When I drove into Montana, I drove from Illinois to Montana in 2008 and as I was like, what is Montana? No, oh, it's uh, South Canada. Oh, okay. <laughs> Did you hear that thing that they they want to sell Montana to Canada to pay some of our debt? Some of our debt. <laughs> Montana's a beautiful state. Get them North Dakota. Um, so, <laughs> um, there was. I will never forget this for the rest of my life. I was like driving in, and I had just graduated college, and I was moving to Montana for the summer, like you know, big stars in my eyes. I was going to be a cowboy. And I saw, <laughs> I saw a billboard with, and it was just like the barrel of a gun, like somebody's facing, uh-huh. like pointing a gun at you. And so it's like, if he doesn't care about God, will he care about your children or something? And I was like, uh, oh shit, I uh, need to leave. I'm not welcome die. here. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so um, Colorado has sort of become this, uh, this, Thanks, Daddy. Daddy is just walking under my legs. Um, this sort of bastion of of women's rights because it's surrounded by states like uh, U- Utah, Kansas, Wyoming, Nebraska, Texas, and Oklahoma that all have really restrictive um, abortion abortion laws. So, if a woman wants an abortion in those states, odds are she's coming to Colorado exactly. to get it. Exactly. So, um, and and so the more strict these abortion laws get in these other states and Colorado has not changed any of theirs. They're very not, I don't want to say lax, but reasonable, which is strange because like Colorado Springs is a hotbed of evangelical Christianity. Yeah. But Colorado, but overall large is pretty, pretty liberal. Um, that's nice to see them not shying away from it and running away from the issue. It really is. So, um, according to, um, some studies, the Colorado health centers, um, out of state patients made, uh, made up about 8% of abortions performed um, in Colorado. But in um, border cities like Fort Collins and Durango, those those numbers can be as high as 40%. So like nearly half the women coming in to, to get ab- an abortion are coming in from out of state because they cannot do it where they live. And when you... And so yeah, good for Colorado, but when you compound compound that with laws like... And, and, and even in some of these states, there's one... like one place where you can get an abortion and there's many places that have mandatory 24 48 72 um hour waiting periods um where they make you sit through counseling they design they're designed to discourage you um so those who have to wait for that kind of thing all of a sudden they're they have to leave home for three days when chances are they're not in the most financially so they have to make like two trips or get a hotel or something Exactly. Uh, so, I, you know what? Um, I didn't have this on our, my list of things to talk about, but uh-huh. just today, the Satanic Temple had sued the state of Missouri. Really? Uh, for that exact reason, they're saying this three-day waiting period for an abortion violates a Satanic Temple member's yes. religious rights. Do it that And will. basically, the judge dismissed. I mean, they did it earlier this month. They, the Supreme Court of Missouri, dismissed the case, mm-hmm. and now a federal judge in a different court has dismissed the case as well, saying 
it doesn't matter if the laws are good or bad. That's uh-huh. not my job. But if you're saying it violates her religious beliefs, I'm saying, no, it doesn't mm-hmm. because it applies to everyone equally. It doesn't single you out. So they dismiss the case. But cool. the point is, yeah, these things are restrictive and it's just anti-abortion people putting obstacles in the that's way. Ex- yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Uh, so Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains president, uh, Vicki Cowart, said, we're anticipating the numbers who are going to have to travel to get a provider will increase. We're positioning ourselves to be part of the solution to deal with what, what we're anticipating is going to be a public health crisis. Um, and a, a Denver-based OBGYN, um, Aaron Lazerwitz, Lazerwitz um, said that he had to leave his home state of Texas to get training in Colorado, which he's called he called Colorado a bastion of access. He said, quote, there is a huge lack of training in Texas. In order to get the training I needed to provide comprehensive reproductive health care, including abortion and contraception, I knew I needed to leave. Yeah, that's the case for a lot of residents who mm-hmm. do OBGYN. Like, if you want to get the training to provide abortions, you can't get it in your home state. Yeah. There's a lot of hospitals that won't provide it. There are a lot of schools that don't require it mm-hmm. as part of a rotation. So you got to go out if you want to get that training. It makes it harder to have trained people to do it, right? which the anti-abortion side is like, well, there are no doctors around who know how to do it, so we're trying to protect women. Yeah. It's like um, Catch-22 or something. A thing I thought about recently or heard recently, I guess, is the sort of ripple effect of... Pl- I think it was Wisconsin where they stopped teaching abortion or something happened in medical school that they no longer offered it in, in state... or no longer required it in Wisconsin. And th- the fact is that if people leave to get this training, if that's what they want, if they want to be an OBGYN or, or have a comprehensive understanding of women's reproductive rights, they are going to leave Wisconsin or whatever, and they're not going to come back. So even if these, even if today all of these laws dropped and we went back, there would still be this ripple effect of doctors who just don't have the training to, to provide women with the care that they need. Um, So anyway, and the other thing about it, and this is just as sort of like a marketing person, the billboard is really nice looking. It's like a dark (laughs) blue with like light blue writing. It's a very It's not in Comic Sans? It's not in Comic Sans. Uh And just you see it and it doesn't feel aggressive. It's just like a sort of a very like welcoming uh, billboard, which is a nice, a nice touch. They did a good job with that. Nice. Um, Oh, just one more cool, cool thing. Um, when, uh, so Dr. Liana Wen, who is the Planned Parenthood Federation of America president, she warned of legal challenges to abortion rights winding their way to the U.S. Supreme Court, which now has five conservatives. Yeah, we know mm-hmm. that. Uh, quote, we have at least 15 cases that are one step away from the Supreme Court, and any if any of these are heard, even mm-hmm. in the next year, we would face a situation where Roe is further eroded or, eroded or overturned. If that were to happen, then 25 million women, which is one in three women of rep- reproductive age in this country, could be living in a state where abortion is illegal. Sounds so about right. let's not keep our ass also the ball off there. tangent for a second. We've we've talked about Ruth Bader Ginsburg possibly like leaving the court or having to leave the court. I've right? never talked about that. Right. Here's the other thing to think about. Uh, Clarence Thomas. I just heard this. Is also really old. Like he's in his late seventies, I believe. And apparently, has like never liked the job. Well. That's, I mean, I, listen, good. I no one's pot- liked him in the job. Right. But he now, if you're a conservative who's old on the Supreme Court, of which he is the only one right. who's really old, now's the time to tap out. While well, you got a Republican Senate and a president who will sign away anything <sighs> you want, um, you could easily, if you want, replace Clarence Thomas with 
like a 40 year old conservative woman who they already have in line. She was up for uh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh's seat, yeah. but he got the nod. Uh, think about that. Like Clarence Thomas, like being selfish right now is a really good thing. Yeah. Because that gives, an, and again, the closer you get to election, it makes it a little harder uh-huh. for him to do it. Not that Mitch McConnell will, he'll just change the rules to say, sure, election oh, year, Mitch McConnell things is are fine. He doesn't give a fuck. Right. But the closer you get to that end date of the 2020 elections, and him not saying I'm going to retire, like it's there's yeah. a chance to swing the court back the other way if he remains selfish. And I but. think if that like best case and not best case scenario, but like even if he waits, I don't know. What do you think would happen? Because when did uh, when if did, he retires right when did now? Scalia die? Uh, Scalia died in February 25th. before the November elections in 2016. Oh, so, so we need to squeeze another year. Am out I of right him. about that? I don't know about the years. I think there was it was like eight or nine months out, and so I thought it was further than that. Scully. The only thing I'm wondering is if it was like a year earlier or something. But the point is, if Scalia retires now, they would get a chance no, to right. keep February that 13th, seat. 2016. They would get a chance to keep that seat in conservative hands for another however many decades right. they want. So we need to get Clarence Thomas into. 2020. Everyone just gonna... needs to tell him to stay on the court. You're doing for another such a year. good job, yeah. Clarence. Everyone praise him. You're so brave and smart. Yes. Uh, let's talk about this story <laughs> in Tennessee. There is a legislator. They they want a constitutional change, not just a law to pass. What state? Tennessee. Oh, Tennessee. There is a representative, guys. Micah Van Hus, who has proposed legislation that would change the state's constitution to include the line. Uh, liberties, our liberties, liberties do not come from government, but from almighty God. Okay, we've definitely either heard this or somebody's done something similar. What yeah. the fuck are you guys doing with your time? Dude, this is what I'm guys- so befuddled by this. Here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you the part of the Constitution he wants to change. The liberty bit comes at the last section. See if this makes sense to you. This is Article 1, Section 2 of Tennessee's Constitution. And this is what he wants to add at the end. That government being instituted for the common benefit, the doctrine of non-resistance against arbitrary power and oppression is absurd, slavish, and destructive of the good and happiness of mankind, semicolon. And that liberties do not come from government, comma, but from almighty God. What do those two parts have to do with each other? Nothing. This guy's literally looking for anywhere in the Constitution. He can stick this phrase in. To what end? To like, that's a genuine Because question. it's another chance to shove God into the government, this way in a more permanent sort of way, that it's much harder to change. And here's the thing. You're right. We have <laughs> talked about this before, because he tried to do it in 2015, but the wording was off, so it didn't pass. He tried to do it in 2017, but this time it passed the House. It went to the Senate, and they requested a slight like, grammatical change to how it was written, which means it has to go back to the House because they got to vote on the exact wording. Time ran out, and it didn't pass. So this is his third attempt at doing basically the same thing. Now, here's the hurdles he has to overcome for constitutional change. You need the House and the Senate in the state, uh-huh. to approve it. Fine, majority vote. He's going to get that in uh-huh. Tennessee. Then the next legislature in Tennessee also has to vote for it. 
by a two-thirds majority. And in Tennessee, where Republicans dominate the government, he's probably going to get a two-thirds majority vote Uh on this change. Then voters have to vote for it during the next gubernatorial election year, which in this case would be 2022. So think (laughs) I'm just saying this. If he gets this passed right now in 2019... The next legislature could see it after 2020, 2021, and it could go to the voters in 2022. And all of this, again, Tennessee, it's Republican country. Like this could over this could pass all of those hurdles without a problem. I don't know how this gets challenged legally speaking, um, because there's nothing to challenge right now. It hasn't passed. But he's well on his way to doing exactly what they need to do to get this thing in the constitution. And to answer your question, to what end there, the the only end is conservative Christians get to feel better about themselves. Cause again, when he capitalizes almighty God, Mm -hmm. which God is he referring to? He's not talking about Allah. He's not talking about any polytheistic religion. He's not talking about atheists for sure. This is just a chance to shove Christianity into the Tennessee state constitution, and it's probably going to happen. By the way, there were a couple of Democrats who voiced their concerns, and my Mm -hmm. first thought was just like, oh, that's adorable of them, because all three of you, like, what are you going to do? But one of them, Bo Mitchell, uh, representative, he said this was unnecessary, saying, quote, my God does not fit into these little green books, like the legislative um, books. Another guy, Bill Beck, said the founding fathers wanted church and state separate. Sure, they're right. No one's going to listen to them, but they're right. Yeah. So right now, Tennessee's on the path to have a constitutional amendment that shoves almighty God into the text. So that's do they happening. Have anything better to be doing? It's Tennessee. They do not. I like, say that having lived there, there's nothing else that happens there. I don't know. It's I really just different <laughs> variations of getting God in different places. I was in Memphis for like two days and traffic was pretty bad. Maybe they should focus on that. No, not going to happen. Uh, same here's I'm done with laws there is a legislator in Wyoming Wyoming had a chance to repeal the death penalty oh they did Wyoming Wyoming they did not do this the death penalty in Wyoming is still hanging (laughs) (laughs) but they had a and they had a unanimous recommendation to do it from the Senate Judiciary Committee which is overwhelmingly Republican Uh but the state Senate voted it down 18 to 12 so right now that bill has been defeated but one of those Republicans who said no let's keep the death penalty her name is Lynn Hutchings and she said no we gotta keep the death penalty and what was her reason to keep it right she said Jesus died of the death penalty. And if Jesus didn't die, who would have died for our sins? Like, we have to keep executing people because otherwise we wouldn't have Jesus. Here's, here's exactly what she said. So she's the saying- greatest man who ever lived died via the death penalty for you and me. I am grateful to him for our future hope because of this. Governments were instituted, uh, were instituted to execute justice. If it wasn't for Jesus dying via the death penalty, we would all have no hope. And therefore, she's arguing we should keep executing whoever the hell we want, um, even if, as we now know, there are people who are on death row who the evidence is very much against them doing whatever it is they did. And even when they committed really heinous acts, 
I don't know that it's the job of the government to say, let's just kill you, and that's our form of justice. Yeah, so, no, I'm definitely anti-death penalty, and I'm trying to... She's pro-life, by the way, just FYI. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a funny way to spin the fact that maybe she thinks John Wayne Gacy was going to be the next Jesus, because he got <laughs> death penalty, but I couldn't think of anything funny. That's all right. There's, there's nothing funny about this. It's just a horrible person saying a horrible thing. Yep, yep, um, yep. Let's go to this topic of the flat earth. Uh, but here's why. I love talking about flat earth. You don't, know that about don't me. Don't we all? Uh, researchers at Texas Tech University, they attended one of these flat earth gatherings um, where they draw people from all the corners of the globe. And you're welcome. And what they found, they asked all these people, how did you get into the flat earth movement? And the answer that all of these people gave pretty much was YouTube. They said this is a conspiracy that's yeah. really fueled by YouTube. And their research said of the 30 people they spoke to, all but one had not even thought about the Earth being flat two years ago, but they changed their minds after watching videos on YouTube. Right. Now, I would take issue with some of this because, like, if you go to, like, an atheist conference somewhere and you say, how did you become an atheist? They're all going to say the Internet, probably, because, like, yeah. how else did you know about this conference? You all have your networks and, like, flat earth people, because they're all over the place, they mm -hmm. communicate through YouTube. That is their point of, like, what they all have in common. So, like, I think it's slightly disingenuous because even if, let's say, Kyrie Irving or someone else promotes the flat earth in an interview, mm -hmm. it only gets spread because the, the prominent flat earthers talk about it. Where do they talk about it? They talk about it on YouTube. So it's like, well, YouTube, you're saying YouTube is the cause, but, like, it's... It's not YouTube's fault necessarily, but here's what YouTube does that is wrong. And it's not just with flat earthism, it's with anti-vaccines, it's mm -hmm. with other conspiracy theories. If you watch one flat earth video or you come across it, their recommendation algorithm will recommend other flat earth right. videos. Right. And when you start watching a bunch of those, you can get stuck in your own filter mm -hmm. and say like, oh, this all makes sense because all these different people agree right. on this stupid thing. Right. And they're never exposed to other ideas. And even if YouTube puts a little disclaimer at the bottom, like, this is possibly a conspiracy. Here's a link to Wikipedia about the Earth's shape. Like, no one cares. Right. It's easy to ignore that stuff. But it's just this feedback loop, uh -huh. you know, on YouTube. So um, it's not that everyone who watches YouTube is going to get sucked into this filter bubble. But the flat earthers who watch YouTube are the ones who are going to be vocal about it. Mm -hmm. Like, of course they are. That's the only place they connect with each other. But it does tell you, like, YouTube has a role to play. I read, I think, that Pinterest, to cut down on the anti-vaxxer bullshit, mm -hmm. they just don't let you search for, like, anti-vaxxer yeah. type of stuff anymore. Which, good Or they don't them. return any results if you search for that Wh stuff, which, which is fine. Cut down on the stuff. You have a way to shut that shit down. Right. YouTube chooses not to do that. Twitter chooses not to do any mm -hmm. of that stuff. Yeah, they do a lot more hand-wringing. And the interesting mm -hmm. thing about... The, the reason I was so surprised that Pinterest stepped up to the plate in this way is... Pinterest is going public. <laughs> they want stuff. Wait, are they? Yeah, that's why they are trying to look... Look, we're the good ones. Oh, interesting. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, I saw in a study... This is probably five years old, so I don't know if it's still true. But like most of the people who use Facebook, use Twitter, use Instagram most of those people skew liberal mm -hmm. with like in all social media platforms, except for 
uh, Pinterest tends to skew more conservative, yeah. which, which makes sense because it is a lot of like traditional gender roles in, mm. you know, cooking and things like that, which is, you know, uh, that's basically all I use Pinterest for is, is recipes. But I thought that was, so that pleasantly surprises me that a, a, um, a platform with a generally more conservative um, audience is willing to, to take that swing, which I think is great. Yeah. Uh, YouTube needs to get its shit together. But again, <laughs> everyone's been saying this for a long time. It's the same thing like when you talk about the, the red pill people uh-huh. and the alt-right people. It's If you watch one of them on YouTube, you're going to get sucked into that ecosystem if you let it. Right. Um, and you could end up watching like, oh, look, here's Ben Shapiro. Oh, look, here's Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. Like you get sucked into those people. And it's like then all of a sudden that becomes your entire ecosystem of what you believe and what you think. And you're not it's not like YouTube is pushing sensible people in your direction. Right. It's like, here's some people with crazy radical ideas. Well, Go listen to them. And here's another one. God, even my YouTube like recommends are, I mean like my YouTube viewing experience is like mostly dog videos and like friends outtakes. Yeah. And still it's like Jordan Peterson destroys feminists in one sentence. And right. like who, and as what we all know algorithm? in the great feminism war, uh-huh. feminism was defeated by yeah. Jordan Peterson and his messy room. Yeah, it was <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> uh, um, ISIS. Let's talk about ISIS. Oh, about the woman who wants the to come woman. home? There's like two of them. There's I two? thought there was one, but there was two. Okay, so in the UK, the woman's name is Shamima Begum, whatever. Um, she traveled to Syria four years ago to join ISIS and like make terrorist babies. And the UK revoked her citizenship. And so now she says she wants to come back to the UK with her newborn son. She's uh, 19, I believe. Oh, so when she was 15 you, or so, she was she, only 15. She ran away to join ISIS. Now she has a baby. Now she wants to come back. But here's the thing the simple question would be like, well, you don't actually believe like ISIS is good. Right. Right. And her response is basically, uh, what did she say? Um, She says that she, I'm trying to look for the specific quotation. You're really filling in a a non-obstructive way. Um, Basically, she doesn't regret joining ISIS. Really? Yeah. She's, she doesn't regret what she did. She doesn't feel uh, any remorse for her actions it's so the question is why, why should the UK back? should the UK take her back? Yeah. Because you're on one hand you could say well she was a kid, she was a dumb kid who did a dumb thing. Sure people died, but she was a kid and should <laughs> she be held against it for the rest of her life, especially with the baby in play here? Mm-hmm. Um and that's the question. Are they morally or legally obligated to welcome back like this former terrorist yeah. who doesn't exactly feel bad about what decisions right, she like made in the past. everything. Yeah. It's not like she says, I'm going to go kill everybody now. But if you ask her, like, do you regret joining ISIS? No, not really. And even uh, some retired police officers were like, if she showed complete remorse, we could have a different conversation about this. Mm-hmm. But if she's not even showing remorse, why on earth are we even considering it? Mm-hmm. And in fact, the UK said we're going to revoke her citizenship. She made her bed. She can lie in it. Right. Um, and in the US, a similar situation occurred. And this time, Don, I haven't followed this one as closely, but Trump is like, no, she's not coming back. Yeah, of course. Which again, maybe he's right about that. But again, I wouldn't 
really go to him for the moral clarity on this subject. Yeah, it's funny because I haven't dug into this too much, but I, you know, I follow a lot of like local news outlets and things like that. And in the headlines, it's always like woman regrets joining ISIS, wants to come back to the U.S. And it's all like laugh reacts and people. Are, and so my take on this is just reflexively like, no, she should come back because fuck the conservatives. But I don't. I honestly don't know what I think. I just know that sometimes I reflexively disagree with people who are conservative, which is a, a major flaw of mine, I would say. But but I don't. I genuinely don't. What know. would it take? I guess for one of these people who joined a terrorist group before they were eighteen, who now want their citizenship back, and let's assume. They have no desire to be a terrorist anymore. Mm -hmm. At what point do you say, because I don't know the answer to this either. At what point do you say, okay, we will welcome you back because we we want to help you. We want you to come back into civil society. um, But this is what it takes for you to come back. At what point do you say yes? Because that to me is the sticky situation here. The fact that she has a baby, I don't think should just let her leapfrog whatever right. ethical rules we may want to set. Like, and what would, like, even if you made her sign a contract, like I denounce ISIS, yeah, like what, what does that, what does that mean? mean? So I, I genuinely don't know. I think it's a, my, my instinct is to give her the benefit of the doubt, but I don't know if that's earned in this case. I don't know if I like ISIS is not, it's not like she joined like a hippie, co- like cult, you know, and, like, join the Moonies or whatever. Like, that's one thing. But ISIS is so antagonistic toward the rest of the world that I'm not sure I know how we could trust that she's coming back in good faith and not as some sort of... If you knew she was never going to cause the same sort of harm, she wasn't going to terrorize people physically, literally, does that... Yeah, but but still harbors like a no. I did what I had to do. Like, does <laughs> no, that? Yeah, I. Does she have a path forward? I mean, if there was, if I could look into a crystal ball and say, mm-hmm. like, she definitely will not do anything harmful in the name of ISIS or in general. I, I yeah, I would say come back because I'm also not a uh, I'm not a person who is a, like a love it or leave it kind of like you either like America or get the fuck out. Like, I think it is possible to live in a country and love a country in many ways and still wish that it did better. I think I, I fall neatly into that category. So like harboring anti-American sentiments does not disqualify somebody from citizenship in my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that is to me, that's the crux is if, like I said, if there's a crystal ball and I knew for a fact that like she was never going to do physical or emotional harm to somebody else, I am 100% on board, but the fact that she has an active connection... And, and I, and I want to be clear, like, this is different than just, like, a brown guy who has, like, an Islamic-sounding name. Like, th- you know, th- I think that's the problem here is, like, people see any brown person, like, well, they could have mm. connection to ISIS. And, like, this is such a different... This is such a apples-to-oranges kind of thing of, like, I don't suspect every, like, brown person from that area of being a terrorist, but somebody who has like associated closely with ISIS, I don't think that's an unreasonable concern to have. Right. And 
now here's the other thing about ISIS. They know how to like uh, uh, recruit in the sense they, they are looking for loners. They're looking for right. people. They can manipulate kids into thinking joining ISIS is the thing to do. Oh, yeah. Which let's say that's what happened to her when she was 15. But now she's 19. At some point, you got to say, okay, you're an adult now and we're going to hold you responsible for your decisions. And if you're still thinking that... Uh, whatever you did with them or mm-hmm. whatever happened, it doesn't phase you. She mentioned uh, in one interview talking about like seeing a severed head and it didn't phase her at all Jesus. at the time. Like, is that the sort of person who deserves a second chance? And well, I, I don't want to discount. So like, I and think if you let her l- back into the wild, right. if you keep her in Syria, she may just get even more radicalized. Right, even more, yeah, and folded into it. I, I think t- the two big things at play are she was a, kid when she went in and she's still like she's 19 like let's not pretend she's like in her 40s and has a really good clear view of the world but the other thing is i don't want to discount the ability that groups whether they are like isis or whether they are small religious sects or large ones the the ability that they have to i don't want to say brainwash because that sounds like a kind of woo-woo thing but like you get manipulated into cults. Like, ask anybody who's... Like, I don't pretend to be an expert, but you hear stories time and time again of somebody gets involved in a cult in one way or the other, and all of a sudden, they pull away from their friends, and they're not the same person, and they don't have the same beliefs, and all of a sudden, they have these weird new worldviews, and they won't do X, Y, and Z. And it's not... I don't know, to... The fact that she feels like she can... I don't know, Hammett. I don't know. It's, it's not. I'm so glad I have to make this decision. But I do think it's bullshit that Trump is like, no, fuck you. Like you're not coming back. I think that's a dumb and he hasn't put any thought into it. No, that's I assume exactly the what UK I'm people saying. have put thought into it and they decided against it. Right. But the question is, is is she now going to be worse off as a problem to everybody? Yeah. By remaining in Syria, I assume, and not coming back to the UK, having a baby who's going to be raised in that environment as well. Uh, that could end up being the worst decision. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't, but I it's hard for me you, to generate much sympathy for her. Uh, um, yeah. I, I have a little more sympathy because I, because you're just, a better person. Yeah. I'm just a naturally very sympathetic yeah. person, but I will say this. I think you and I have just now spent more time thinking about it and discussing it than Trump has. That's fair. Uh, Let's talk about Indiana. There is... Oh, we've I talked have a about, about it. Do you yeah. have a thing? Oh, wait, I didn't write it down. I got ah, bored right. of it. <laughs> <laughs> we've talked about, like, Christian bakers who say, I'm not going to make you a wedding cake oh, if I you're gay. And if if uh, you're a florist, I'm not going to make flowers. Even though I would sell the same thing to a straight person, mm-hmm. regardless of a reason, I'm not going to sell it to you because you want it for a gay wedding or something. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the argument that's in front of the Supreme Court soon. Uh, stuff like that. So in Indiana, it was a different situation, or different uh, specifics, but same situation. This time, a woman, uh, Bailey Brazel, she kept going to this tax service, Carter Tax Service in Indiana. Like, she liked the owner. The the owner did her taxes for years, and it was always fine. So she went back this year, but since last year, she's gotten married. She's gotten married to a woman of the same sex, and now they're filing a joint return. Uh-oh. So you go to the accountant and you're like, hi, help us file our taxes right. as a couple. And this time the owner of Carter Tax Service, Nancy Fivecoat, uh, she said, I'm sorry. Yep, Fivecoat with an E at the end. She said, I'm not going to help okay. you. Here's what she said specifically I am a Christian. 
And I believe marriage is between one man and one woman. I was very respectful to them. I told them where I thought she might be able to get her taxes prepared. And then Brazel said to the news, at first we thought she was kidding, but when she started talking about the Bible, we knew she was serious and I was shocked. Here's the last quote from Five Coat. The LGBT want respect for their beliefs, which I give them. Oh. I did not say anything about their lifestyle. That's their choice. I just it's don't not believe my that choice. You exist. Where is their respect for my beliefs? So, like, why aren't you tolerant of my intolerance? Jesus. And here's the thing: this is Where Indiana. Where is this in Indiana? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, here's the thing oh, about God. Indiana, though. Uh, in this city, a uh, Russiaville. Ironically named. Russiaville? Russiaville. In Russiaville, there is no non-discrimination ordinance in the city. You can discriminate against gay people all you want, and it's okay. There's obviously, like, other cities nearby. Mm -hmm. They do have non-discrimination ordinances. Not Russiaville. And even a law professor is like, yeah, there's not much this woman can do right now Uh because the laws are on... Uh, Nancy Five Coats side. If she wants to be a Christian bigot, she is allowed to be a Christian bigot. The best response then is not, I'm going to sue you because you're not going to win that case. Right. The best response is letting everyone in the world know that if you go to Carter Tax Service right. uh, in Russiaville, Indiana, uh, As, she's a Christian and who among bigot. Us isn't there at least once a week. I go all the time. Um, let everyone know that the woman who runs this place is a Christian who doesn't want to service, you know, gay couples because mm-hmm. she's above them because Jesus gives her more power or something. And please respect like, her. And straight people who go to her should recognize right. that and take their business elsewhere too. Right. Like that should be the response. I just, I wish I say this, I think all the time, but like, if she wants to be a Christian bigot, she should put a big sign on her door mm-hmm. that says, if you're a gay couple, get the fuck out of here. I don't want to deal with you. That would be the nice, courteous thing to do right. so everyone knows and then other people could see the sign and decide if they really want to give their business to someone who is just a horrible person right. like she is. And Russiaville is really out in the middle of nowhere. It's like straight north <sighs> of Indy. Hoof. So there's it's by a Kokomo. Do you Kokomo, want a happy Indiana? story? I have a happy I story. Yes. So there is a church, the church in Norway which is, you know, what we talk Capital about. Capital T, the church? The church. Okay. Um, this is the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Norway. It's the largest Christian denomination in that nation. Um, they just apologized this week for their stance on abortion. Wow. Yeah. It was weird. Wait. They assuming were, they used to be they, anti-choice and now are pro-choice? Well, oh. they were anti-choice. And they're still anti-choice, but they released a statement this week basically saying, we know we've only made things worse for women. Wow. It's kind of like, we don't really think we're wrong, but we understand that all of our policy positions, imagine if like the religious right in this country, the anti-abortion side is, you know how we keep saying, okay, fine, if you believe, you know, life begins at conception, so be it. Mm-hmm. But if you really wanted to decrease abortions, right. then support comprehensive sex education, support access to birth control, right. and affordable or free uh, birth control, or make sure women can get abortions early so late-term abortions aren't a thing. Like, there's so many ways to reduce the number of abortions, especially late-term Wait, just, ones, whatever you want to... Quick, yeah, quick bar, please. most late-term abortions aren't out of choice they're out of medical necessity go True. ahead so here's what they the church of norway said 
Um, the church as an institution throughout history, our church they're talking about, has shown a lack of commitment to women's liberation and rights. We are sorry. Huh. As a church, we must change our way of talking about abortion and how we care for people who are affected. Here's the kicker for me. A society with legal access to abortion uh-huh. is a better society than a society without such access. It prevents illegal abortions and promotes women's health, safety, and security. Hey, that's a interesting, reasonable statement. Yeah, they're not saying we're suddenly for abortions, but they are kind of getting at the idea that if we really want to decrease the number of abortions, yeah. there are things we could do that we haven't been doing um, and we can try to make our pitch to you as to why you shouldn't have one. Right. But in the meantime, we haven't been helping make the situation any better. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's a step forward. They're admitting like their religious and their political goals uh-huh. haven't been aligned. That's good. You know, so that's a thing. I, it's not like the Catholic Church is ever going to admit that. It's not like white evangelicals are ever going to admit that. Um, but the Lutheran Church in Norway, Wow. That's yeah, a thing. Good that's, for you. That's good news. Um, sidebar, I just got a push alert uh, from NBC Chicago that R. Kelly just got charged with several counts of aggravated yeah. criminal sexual abuse in Cook County. Only took 20 years. Jesus. Something like that. Uh, um, I've got some things that I would like to discuss with you, Hammond. Please. Um, so I'm going to do two fun stories in the Catholic Church. Uh-huh. Um, there are no other kind. Uh-huh. Um... So, Pope Francis, this kind of made headlines. You've probably heard of this. Pope Francis was talking, um, he was addressing pilgrims from the Italian Diocese of Benevento on Wednesday. Um, And he said that, um, essentially, people can't live, he said, it's fine to say the church has done some bad things. That's fine. But you can't live your life accusing the church of wrongdoings. <laughs> I'm sorry. He quote, I'm sorry. I did not understand. I cannot hear well. The devil and those who spend their, I don't know what that means. And those who spend their lives accusing, accusing, and accusing are, I won't say children because the devil doesn't have any, but they are friends, cousins, and relatives of the devil. So the devil and those related to the devil are the ones criticizing the Catholic Church. Yeah, the devil isn't making priests systemically abuse women and children. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. No. But the devil, the devil is, is getting is doing at the, is, the critics. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So that was cool. So way to take responsibility for that one, Pope Francis. <laughs> Chill Pope. On the weekend, you're getting together to address child sex abuse. Chill Pope. Wins again. Um, this is why I don't get. He doesn't deserve the good publicity he's gotten for years, and uh, there are still people who are like, "Oh, it's this pope. I like this pope." No, he's just as bad as all of them. He's incrementally less bad, but that doesn't make him good. <laughs> right. Right. Um. Uh, so cardinals, <laughs> another case of Catholic blame shifting. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm just going to read this letter. So these are Cardinals Raymond Burke and Walter Brenmuller. Yeah. Um, I just took a run at that. There's an umlaut in that last name I wasn't prepared for. Um, mm-hmm. They wrote an open letter to uh, the president of the Bishop's Conference. Quote, we turn to you with deep distress. The Catholic world is adrift. And with anguish, the question is asked, where is the church going? The Cardinals added that the, Please say downhill. the church's sex abuse troubles are, quote, only part of a much greater crisis fostered by, wait for it, 
the homosexual agenda. Agenda, agenda, <laughs> agenda. Before the drift in process, it seems that the difficulty is reduced to that of the abuse of minors, a horrible crime, especially when it's perpetrated by a priest, which is, however, only part of a much greater crisis. The plague of the homosexual agenda has spread within the church, promoted by organized networks and protected by a climate of complicity and conspiracy of silence. Yeah, the problem with the church is too many gay priests. Got it, you guys. Got it in one. Did we talk about... They're so smart and good. Did we talk about this last week? Like, there are plenty of children who have been born to priests Uh out of wedlock, Uh obviously, But then the priests are like, well, I am not allowed to have sex or have a kid. Uh So I'm just going to abandon the kid because I got to be a priest. Which is like the fourth coolest thing he's done that day. Like, fuck those guys. Oh, my God. So And these are the people who try to pretend that they are the moral directors of the world. That's that's cool, guys. You really (laughs) maybe clean up your own house before you come to mine, huh? Uh, Here's good news about the Catholic Church in Michigan. Okay. In Michigan, the attorney general, her name is Dana Nessel. She just won election uh, in November. Okay. Uh, Democrat, badass. Yeah. Uh, she's the one, I think we mentioned this maybe last week or the week before. She recently said our state was uh, involved with a bunch of other state attorneys general to like take down church-state separation. They were like, they're, the state of Michigan was on the record as like fighting church-state separation cases to make it harder for church-state separation to exist. Uh-huh. She's like, we're not playing that stupid game. I'm taking our names out of these yeah, lawsuits. Yeah, girl. She also took Michigan out of, like, uh, anti-abortion lawsuits. Yes. So eight of them. She just said, we're not wasting resources on these stupid cases. I love her. We're out. And now she made an announcement uh, this month basically saying, here's what we are doing. And this week, she said in a press conference that her state is now also going to look into child sex abuse in the Catholic Church. Right. Um, she said that in the seven dioceses across the state, we are talking more than potentially like a thousand victims over the course of decades. Uh. And to that end, she's basically told all of these dioceses, like, stop doing your own investigations yeah, fuck because off that. you're making people think you're actually doing some stuff right, right. and we know you're not. Right. Leave it to me and my staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the best line. She said in her press conference, uh, victims should ask to see investigators' badge and not their rosary. Yeah, girl. Yeah. And what was the Catholic <laughs> Church's... As she also said, victims may believe they cannot or should not report abuse to us because the church is going to handle it. Simply put, that's just not true. Um, and of course, when the Catholic Church and officials in Michigan responded, mm-hmm. uh, what did one of them say? What was he troubled by? Not the abuse. He said... It was troubling that Nestle used the rosary as a punchline. Here is hoping, and I'm quoting, here's hoping future statements show no additional disrespect. Like, his problem is the mention of... mm, It wasn't a punchline. It was a warning to the victims. It's a little bit of a punchline. It's pretty funny. It was kind of funny. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, go her. That makes her, I think, like the 14th attorney general who said, I'm investigating the Catholic Church in my state after the attorney general in Pennsylvania did it, and we got that grand jury report that was a bombshell last year. I'd be curious, and I, I don't presume you'd know this or have mm-hmm. this at hand, how many of those attorneys general are Catholic themselves? 
I, I don't have that number, and I don't even know how many are Democrats because I don't think it's across the board. Hmm. I, this is one of those, That's if you good. care, if, think about this. I mean, selfishly, if you're an attorney general, there is nothing that looks better for your reelection campaign than I helped save right. abused kids. Right. Um, and I, who cares if it's the Catholic Church doing it? It's not like the Catholic Church is winning this battle, right? Uh, at least in the public eye. So for any of these people, it's like, no, we're investigating to protect the children. That's a good look for everybody. I'm 14 is too low. I don't know why the rest of them aren't doing the right. same thing. But uh, her office did set up a website for people to submit information and, you know, give us the information you're comfortable with, mm-hmm. basically. If you want to remain anonymous, we understand. Right. But we need enough so we could follow up and do our due diligence. Mm-hmm. So good for her, like, fighting the right battles and not being afraid to just call out the yeah, church. Yeah, that's for, great. What was her name again? Uh, Dana Nessel. Dana Nessel. Awesome. Thanks, Dana. Um, I've got a cool, fun story to talk about. Yeah. So this is like a couple weeks old, but it's, I cannot believe it escaped my radar because it's excellent. So there's a gentleman named Dave Cabal. I'm going to say K-U-B-A-L. Mm-hmm. Kubal. Anyway, he is the uh, president of the religious right group intercessors for america what's an intercessor intercessor i'm gonna pray for you but i'm not gonna tell you about it when i go back home i'm just gonna pray for somebody and god will god will get the message oh so it's like passive aggressive prayer yeah Uh so when like people get together and they hold these like we're praying for donald trump that's an intercessory prayer gotcha or like i'm praying for that person in the hospital who doesn't even know i'm praying for them Mm. that's an intercessory prayer Oh, so it's not like when your aunt finds out that you're um, atheist and she goes, I'll pray for you. Right. Like, here's the thing. Uh, that is not intercessory because you're ah. right there and she's telling you. I, I researched this years and years ago. Um, it's but, such a weird thing, you know. I know. Uh, but the thing is, like, if, I, if you're in the hospital, let's say, and you're uh-huh. sick and I, tell, and I come to your hospital room and I'm like, Jess, I am praying for you. Mm-hmm. Studies have shown you may actually get better as in part because of that. Right. Because, like, when you know someone's out there looking out for you mm-hmm. and caring for you, for you, it helps your own, right. like, whatever, your own body. It mm-hmm. helps your own, uh, whatever you want to call that, recovery. But the question is, and this would be a great controlled study, what if you were being prayed for and you didn't even know about it? Because now you could set up control groups, I'm kind of. I'm reasonably certain that that study's happened. Oh, that, sounds that study really... has happened. Oh, it and, has? like, it's, here's the thing. You can't really control who someone else is thinking about. Right. But you could try to, and every time they've done it, of course, it's never been shown to work. Right. Or at least the group that was prayed for does not do significantly better than the group that is not prayed for. Right. Um, so intercessory prayer, obviously, no, doesn't, doesn't work. Can't believe it. I know. Anyway, Intercessors <laughs> of America is um, this group. So they have this like monthly uh, prayer rally, I guess. Um, so they're fighting against de- demonic forces that of are course. clustered in southern New York City. Yes, that's where they reside. Um, and operating through the likes of uh, George Soros, yeah. federal judge Kimba Wood. I don't know who that is. Ah, uh, one of the judges against, I think, the Trump vote. And our friend Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Yeah. Um, so I just want to read some selections. It's long. Who is religious, by the way? Fuck me, it's AOC. worth it. Uh, the good news about the midterm elections is that there is a great opportunity for evil to be exposed in the days and weeks to come. It's been widely publicized that there is a coven of witches that cast <laughs> that cast spells on President Trump twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. That this particular coven is found in the southern portion of New York City. Mm-hmm. So, 
right in the middle of where's that of meet all up? this the southern district i would want to go so bad the middle of where these witches are doing their tw- the 24/7 spell casting mm-hmm. we find the ter- territory of alexandria ocasio cortez her district is the center of all this going on is that a coincidence maybe <laughs> is there an evil th- thread running through this area trying to dispel diabolical power there's great opportunity in the days, weeks, and months to come, to the enemy of our souls, his efforts exposed for Satan to overplay his hand so that truths like what I'm describing to you, coincidences that I'm describing to you, will be discovered. Um, he said that they would, just last week, a spiritual SWAT team had <laughs> been sent to southern New York to deal with the spiritual activity, so they called the fucking Ghostbusters, which is excellent. Quote, Lord, we pray and we ask you your mighty hand that the power of your Holy Spirit will bring light into this part of New York. Father God, that the uh, relational connections, that the threat of evil, that the diabolical, diabolical communications that are occurring behind the scenes with people who are humans with supernatural forces are having great effect, Father God, and we pray they, be, they would be exposed. Father God... So many of those are now in power that are. Here's why the intercessory prayer doesn't work. This guy drones on and on. Everyone, stop listening to him. I think it's good. I think it's really clear writing, which is what I'm into. Um, Father God, I pray that it would be perfectly clear what their intents are. I pray that it would be perfectly clear that evil is using that is using them would be exposed. Yeah. So he finally outed Alexandria Ocasio Cortez as a witch. Great. So, yeah, that's big news. Big if true. Yeah. Uh, There is, we've talked about this last week, the Southern Baptists are now being exposed for their sex scandals. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was actually a really interesting article in Religion News Service uh, by Thomas Reese, who uh, I believe he's with the Catholic Church, is he? He is, uh, yeah, he's a Jesuit priest. But what he said is, look, he's dealt with the Catholic abuse scandal, Mm -hmm. and now he wanted to offer advice and a response to, like, people who are dealing with the Southern Baptist scandal. Here's what I thought was interesting. He said the the fact that all this child sex abuse has been going on in Southern Baptist churches Mm -hmm. actually tells us some stuff about the responses to the Catholic Church's scandal. Okay. Okay, so for example, a lot of liberals said of the Catholic Church, this is why celibacy and the requirement for celibacy is a problem. If you let priests have sex, they wouldn't be raping the kids. And he's like, well, Southern Baptists don't have that rule. Those, yeah. pa- those, pre- those pastors can be married. Mm-hmm. They have sex, and they were still raping kids. Mm-hmm. So it's not about the celibacy requirement yeah. in the Catholic Church. Like, this, the rapers are going to rape. The, that is the issue. you got to tackle that. My favorite Taylor Swift song. You're welcome. Um, he also said... It's not homosexuality. This is what a lot of, Mm -hmm. you just mentioned, the guys blaming the homosexual agenda. It's not about that. Mm -hmm. Because, like, the the Baptist ministers are heterosexual. We know that. They've made a, it's not like they're hiding it. They're they're married. They say they're straight. um, And they're still doing the same type of abuse. So it has nothing to do with sexual orientation. Another thing, people blame the church's hierarchy, like for the cover-ups and stuff. Well, the Southern Baptists don't have that kind of hierarchy. So it's not about like, hmm. well, it's just cover up from above. It's not. It's it's almost like... It's like this entire system yeah. is protecting people who are doing all these awful things. And it's not like a thing unique to the Catholic mm-hmm. Church. It, um, 
there's two more that he mentioned. It's not lawyers. Catholics have said they're lawyers who are suing the Catholic Church because they're getting rich off of it. And all these people suing about their abuse, like, nah, they're not really uh. affected by it. They're suing. He's like, well, it's not that either because mm-hmm. lawyers haven't gotten involved in the Southern Baptist scandal. Right. And finally, he said uh, the Second Vatican Council decades ago made the church a little more liberal in mm-hmm. the Catholic Church. He's like, it's not because of that either, because Southern Baptists are about as conservative as sure. you get. They're having the same problems. So again, it's interesting to say from a Catholic perspective, now that we see the same issue happening with this other religious institution, a lot of the criticisms that Catholics got are like, it that system thrived, this system of covering up the abuse. Mm-hmm. It thrived for the following reasons— like, don't blame this on gay people. Don't blame this on the fact that the church has a hierarchy, right. though that did make it easier. Mm-hmm. It's, no, when you put people in a situation where uh, they think God will forgive them, where they get too much power and close ties to ac- and access to kids. Yeah, like, it's, it's almost ha- like when you give... You need better precautions. Yeah, when you give men or whomever a lot of power and a lot of access, they will be terrible people. Right. I right, wish right. we'd seen a pattern of that time and time again throughout history, but oh, maybe we'll learn our lesson this time. Right. So interesting uh, thing. I have one last story for you okay. uh, because uh, so many people sent in this story. It was about an 11-year-old boy in Florida. He mm-hmm. was apparently, as the headlines in a lot of places said, he was arrested after sitting down during the Pledge of Allegiance. And the thing is, the story is a little more complicated. It (laughs) It was a little more complicated than that. Here's the story: Um, the 11 year old boy, he's at a place called Lawton Childs Middle Academy. Um, When it came in, there was a substitute teacher that day. The boy didn't stand up during the pledge. Sub said, "You need to stand up." He said, "No," because quote, "the flag is racist and the national anthem is offensive to black people." Is the flag racist? Uh, I mean, it's not really sophisticated, but he's also 11. Right. It's a sophisticated argument. The sentiment is there. The exact wording there would have changed. I mean, and he's probably parroting something he heard. Maybe. Um, But whatever. He doesn't need any reason. If he wants to sit for the pledge, he could sit for the pledge. The sub said to him, apparently, if it's so bad, you should find another place to live. The sub went too far. And the sub was wrong. And then this gets like, now you have a kid who's been disrespected. The kid lashes out. And he was apparently disruptive. He refused to go to the principal's office, stuff like this. Mm -hmm. And the school later arrested him for his disruption and all of that, saying, you're not paying attention. I don't know specifically. like Arrested? Arrested. I don't know how far he went in his like lashing out against what was happening Mm -hmm. there. But just to be clear... We can have a separate discussion about should you arrest an 11-year-old and what really was he being too disruptive and what was he doing to warrant the school's like Where did you say officers? this took place? This is in Florida, of uh, course. Um, well, but that explains the a whole only lot. thing the school has said mm-hmm. since all of this happened, at least in terms of this incident, because again, they're not going to talk about it publicly, mm-hmm. um, is every student has the right to remain seated during the pledge. That's a no-brainer here. Right. That sub will not, that sub's been blacklisted also. And they are in discussions with the organization, the separate company that provides them substitutes Mm because they usually outsource for those things. Mm -hmm. So they said that too. Like we're we're talking to them as well to make sure all subs understand no students have to stand for the pledge. 
Uh, what I didn't like about the story is all those headlines that just said the kid was arrested for not saying the pledge. Yeah, there, well, it's a big ellipses that goes yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that was it for that story. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Um, I have just a couple things I want to touch yes. on. They're not like full-fledged stories. Um, so what, so it's Friday the 22nd. It is. Um, it's in the afternoon. We're back to our afternoon sessions. Hello. So I don't know about you, but my push notifications and my news feed has like blown the fuck up with this, the Jesse Smollett uh-huh. thing. So essentially what happened, this has been playing out over a week or so. Um, apparently this, this guy, he's an actor on, I think, Empire. He um, orchestrated a attack using two of the extras from his show and reported it as a hate crime. And, and paid them with the check. Is that how they... <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's not good at staging no. hate crime. So, so I want to be clear. <laughs> the, what he did was extremely wrong. And I was among the... And I'm... I think all most of the evidence is pretty much in that he definitely staged this and definitely... Definitely. Like, what's weird is he maintains his innocence still today. Like, he went back to the set of Empire, um, and he's like, "You guys, I know what all the police said, and I know what all the charges are, but like, I didn't do it." But now, even Empire is like, "We're writing him out of the last episodes." Um, (laughs) So, so, and because he didn't make enough money, he made like a million bucks a year. It's so fucking like everything about it is dumb. for me, the hardest thing about this is that when the news broke, a lot of people came to him. When the news initial news broke, there was a hate crime on, on, on this kid. Right. That this is what happened to a gay black man yeah. in Chicago. Um, a lot of people rushed to his defense. I, I had no idea who it was. I've never seen Empire. Yeah. But like, obviously, my instinct was like, somebody, somebody's been a victim. We need to support him. Um, and... This fucking kid is just giving ammunition to people who are inclined to are disinclined to believe victims in the first place. Um, And I find that infuriating and disappointing. And all of that aside, I cannot believe how the media is covering this. Like to me, it is a nothing burger of a story. Like a kid did something stupid and illegal and is paying the consequences for it. Nobody was, actively hurt unless you count the potential victims who are going to not be believed now because this one idiot and his career and his career. But I have gotten like 20 fucking push notifications from NBC Chicago a day (laughs) about like, this is what's happening now. This is where he is now. Like, why like there was a guy who threatened like to kill that's everybody literally exactly what i'm what yeah. i'm going about what i'm leading up to is like they're so fucking horny for this story because this <laughs> is the story this is the man bites dog story they've been waiting for because guess what hate crimes happen all the time and they're underreported and under uh, taken care i don't know they're not nothing happens because of it mm-hmm. But this happens, and Jesus Christ, the fucking media has a boner for it for a week. It's disgusting. On the other hand, this guy, Hassan, who is a Coast Guard, member of the Coast Guard, mm-hmm. has been um, accumulating weapons and had a fully-fledged plan to target and murder 
both liberal politicians and liberal members of the media. These are two stories where nothing actually happened. One story is was a slight waste of police resources. The other story was the the government stopping a domestic terror event that was targeting the second time in 12 months that terror was targeting specifically liberals, whether that's in the media or whether that's in, in, in uh, politics. And the fact that that is not the headlining story is so disappointing to me and so disheartening. The media has learned nothing about what to cover, what not to cover. And all they, like, and people, like, God, the glee that people, the glee that people have for this kid getting busted. It's, like, fucking gross. Like, I'm not going to apologize for believing a victim. I have more information now than I did five days ago, and I've revised how I feel. I understand he's now the bad guy. I don't apologize for believing him in the first place. Right, and that's the thing. Like, a lot of politicians, like, I think Kamala Harris was one who said very quickly, like, if, you know, that's a hate crime, we should prosecute it, we should investigate it. Right. No one's... You should empathize with anyone who says they're a victim of a hate crime, Mm -hmm. but... What else? What's the alternative? The alternative is to not believe victims, which is what we've been doing for a century, and it hasn't gone super great for the victims. No, you adjust. And it's, of course, because it was the the way he staged this hate crime is to have people wearing the red hats and to have them attack him in a racist way, like with the noose around his neck Mm -hmm. and everything that symbolizes. So, of course, that's a hoax, so, of course, the right wing is like, see, yeah, stop, like, blasting MAGA people. Right. We're all fine. And, of course, like, fucking no. Trump weighed in on it. Of course he did. And, he, and so, my understanding... You're giving them fodder, like you said. Yes. Um, also, Trump... So, my understanding of the timeline is Trump would have been briefed on the Hassan story, although it did not break in the mainstream media. But presume, between a time when he presumably would have been notified about this domestic and he terrorist, knew about this it. white nationalist yep. domestic terrorist, and the time that that story broke, in that interstitial time, he tweeted that corrupt media is the enemy of the people, in all caps. Mm. Like, this man is fucking dangerous. And he, while you... Egged ha- on by the president. Yes. So wh- while, or at least the president's followers or that ecosystem yes. of crazy. It's, it's, it, you're right. It's an ecosystem that's, that's allowed for this kind of thing to, to you know, rear its head. Mm-hmm. So that's that. That made me really so mad. So instead of turning been, it down, he just turned up the volume uh-huh. even more because that's what And he knew, Trump like, does. he understood the consequences. So that happened. Um, another thing that happened is, um, so the Cubs, I've been a lifelong <laughs> Cubs fan. <laughs> Don't yes. laugh at me. Where are we going with this? No, it's fine. <laughs> um, fuck, I can't think. Of, what's the network that's conservative owned? Oh, Sinclair Broadcasting. Sinclair. So Cubs have been on for my entire life, my dad's entire life, have always been on WGN. It's one of the reasons Cubs fans are so widespread is because WGN is available throughout much of the country, and so a lot of people could see them. As of next year, their contract has expired, or they exited their contract with WGN, and they signed on with like their own network. And it's a Sinclair-owned network, and that's really fucking disappointing. And Addison Russell, who's their shortstop, second baseman, second they baseman. They switch him up. They do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he has credibly been accused of abusing his wife. Um, they were holding off on renewing his contract. He's back in spring training. Um, 
Araldus Chapman they hired temporarily during the World Series year, I believe. Who is a domestic abuser. The owner of the Cubs is a fucking Ted Cruz wannabe. Like, he looks like Ted Cruz to me. The dad of the... The dad of the owner of the Cubs is racist and awful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'm really dealing with an emotional crossroads. Here's here's where I would take issue with some of that, which is, yeah, they're on Sinclair Broadcasting, and you don't want to give legitimacy to that type of network. But usually where you see the the political spin on the Sinclair thing is in their news broadcast where they're like, you got to run these conservative pundit Right, clips. but the fact that they're allowing themselves to be associated with that yeah. sucks. It's a money thing. Uh, no, I understand right? it's a money thing, but it's just like, it's, I don't know, at what point do I tap out of like this thing that's been a yeah. part of my life for my entire life? And I don't know, and I'm going to be... I know, I know it's low stakes. I know it's low stakes. I understand that, all things considered. But this is a big part of my life. Like, my husband and I are going on a road trip to, like, see a bunch of baseball games this summer. Like, it is a big part of my life. So it's something I've been dealing with. Also, yesterday, Peter Tork from the Monkey Di- Monkeys died, and I'm, like, genuinely devastated. I love that show. I love their music. Um, he seems like a earnestly wholesome guy and uh i i uh, mourn his death i saw um mickey and mike in concert earlier oh. this year swear to god it's the best concert i've ever seen standing <laughs> ovation after every fucking song it was a blast i went there by myself no regrets anyway that it's just been a really shitty week for me personally and just like in the world so those are just some things i i've been kind of grappling with that i wanted to talk about a little bit um, do you have anything good coming up? You're uh, done with speech. I'm done with speech. We had a state champion. I'm excited about that. Yeah, that that's nice. super exciting. Uh, and now I'll be traveling soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll tell you about that next week. I don't have it in front of me right <laughs> okay. now. Okay. Um, was there a letter we had to read or do we want to wait till next week? Um, I didn't print it out. We'll I... print it out for next week because okay. there was a lengthy letter that yeah. I wanted to talk about, but we'll do that next week. Okay. I'll um, bring that next week. So. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, Go wait, to you didn't ask me what I'm doing. What are you Kevin? doing you this week? You never asked me. Is there a thing? Yeah, I'm What's doing a, a lot of cool stuff this weekend. My brother's Go engagement on. party is tonight. Look at you. Tomorrow night I'm seeing Gareth Reynolds, who I interviewed. Oh, that's um, right. He's in Chicago. He's in Rosemont right now. He's in Chicago this weekend. And um, Sunday, my husband got us tickets to see, you know the show Shit's Creek? Yes, heard of it. It's extreme. It's genuinely my favorite show of the last, like since... Parks and Rec. I haven't loved a show yeah. this much. Um, and they're doing some kind of live tour. I have no idea what to expect. It's like some performances, I uh-huh. guess, and like some Q&A. But it's at the fucking Chicago Theater. All right. And I'm going to see that on Sundays. So I'm like really excited. I'm going to be in the city a lot this weekend, which means a lot of driving and a lot of podcasts for me. Very nice. Um, cool. You can follow me on Twitter at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. Hammett? Hammett, Hammett, Meta. Uh, go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Mm-hmm. We're getting close. Eventually we'll do a Live show or something? Something. That's our next goal, right? Speech no, our done. next goal we can is... Do it. <laughs> transcript is Transcripts the next is goal. our next goal. God, woe be it for the person who has to transcript my garbage. For the bot who's going to um, do it. And uh, email us at friendlyantheistpodcast at gmail.com. We don't really get uh, questions anymore. We still get questions. That's okay. Send us questions. Just say, hey, complain about my voice to Hemet. I'll read it too. And then I'll read it to my <laughs> friends because it's my favorite pastime. <laughs> um, okay. We'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>